0: Hi, everyone. It's Dina McKay, and I'm back with a brand new episode of Black Tech Unplugged. The podcast allows Blacks in tech to share their authentic stories with you, the listener. On each episode, the guest talks about how they got into tech, their work in the industry, and lessons they've learned during their journey. You can find full show notes for this episode on blacktechunplugged.com. On this episode, I have Grace McJones. Grace is a Nigerian-American technologist, podcaster, and Azure cloud engineer at Microsoft. She is a STEM advocate for underrepresented groups and is passionate about democratizing technology through mentoring, speaking at tech events, and volunteering with tech organizations. Grace is also the host of the Tech Unlocked podcast, which aims to demystify and diversify the tech industry by giving people of color the keys they need to unlock their successful tech career. She is also the founder of Women of Color in Emerging Tech which is a community helping women of color on board in Web3 and beyond. On the episode today, we talk about Grace's career in the tech industry. We also do a deep dive into Web3 and what that means and how you can even get into Web3. And lastly, we talk about her podcast, Tech Unlocked. So I hope you enjoy this episode. And if you do, rate and subscribe on whatever platform you're listening today. And also, want to just let you know, this podcast is sponsored by the Black Professionals in Tech Network. BPTN started by connecting Black tech professionals to each other and creating a happening community that is focused on growth. Black Professionals in Tech Network has a summit coming up in Toronto, Canada on October 19th through the 21st. And the summit is attended by 20,000 plus Black professionals from around the world. It features 100 plus speakers and 60-plus corporate partners coming together. And so if you're interested in attending the summit, go to upsidi.com, and that's O-B-S-I-D-I dot com. And check out the agenda speakers and even grab a ticket. So again, thanks for listening to the episode. If you like what you're hearing, rate and subscribe today. And now, let's get it. Hi everyone and welcome to a brand new episode of Black Tech Unplugged. I am joined by Grace McJones on this episode. Hey Grace. Thanks for having me. I know I've
1: been trying to find the perfect time so I'm excited that we're finally doing this.
0: Yes and I'm excited for today's conversation. Now before we jump into all of the good tech stuff that we have to talk about, first I want my listeners to learn more about you. So give a brief introduction of yourself and the work that you've been doing in the tech industry.
1: Yeah. So for me, right now I work at Microsoft and I've been at the company for about four years now and I studied computer science, but it wasn't really a linear path. I went through initially studying international business then dropped out a couple of times and then went back into community college, studying something else. So finding my way into tech was definitely something that was a journey for sure. But I went through an apprenticeship program called Leap through Microsoft. And after completing the apprenticeship, which is like internship, I got to work full-time at the company. Right now in tech, I work in the cloud space. So at Azure, I'm the Azure customer engineer. And what we do, honestly, with our team is just focused on the developer community and help them use Azure and make sure that they're unblocked blocks and anything, whether that's through their code, their script, or just building on the cloud in general. Outside of that, I have my own podcast, Technolog Podcast, where I demystified technology for people of color so they can't enter into the tech industry and just sharing stories of black and brown folks who are doing incredible work in this space. And right now I'm diving into blockchain, Web3, NFTs, the whole nine yards. And it's been great just meeting folks and learning from everyone within the community.
0: Excellent. And you covered most of my questions for the intro. So I think we can just end right here. I'm kidding. But <laughs> you mentioned that getting into tech was not a linear path. How did you know that you wanted to do a career in tech? You know.
1: I didn't know I to be in tech because I didn't have any family members. I didn't know anyone who worked within the tech industry. And so for me, I'm a Nigerian American. So I'm an immigrant. I came to the country with my family when I was about 13 years old. And so with that, I one of those people who never really knew what I wanted to be when I grew up. I, I remember I hated that question because I'm like, I don't know, you know, someone who has different like passions and things like that. And that's to, like to tell people, like, you don't always have to have it all figured out. Right. Because I think sometimes that can also be how do I put this? Not a trap, like a restriction of like, okay, if I love only golf, I have to do golf for the rest of my life. If I'm really good at tennis after this for the rest of my life. Granted, if you're Serena Williams, do your thing, girl, like, you know, do you, but not being able to kind of figure out what I wanted to do helped me be more open minded of what I could do. For me, I see myself as a creative person. And the way that I actually decided to study computer science was through doing graphic design work and photography. That was my job at my university. And I remember just sitting there playing with Photoshop and Illustrator. I'm like, oh, huh, like this is pretty cool. Without the software, I probably wouldn't have a job. And so I was just kind of imagining like, okay, if I wanted to add a different tool into this tool set already or create something like this, how would I do that? And so I really opened up Google like most people and just kind of typed in like, how was Photoshop created? And then I saw that it was created through a programming language. I'm like, what's a programming language? Like, that's how literally basic, you know, like how, like, what is it? And I just went through the rabbit hole of that and I'm like, huh, like, okay. In my mind, I thought it was going to be easy, right? Like, oh, I just learned this and blah, blah, blah. And then after a while, I was just kind of like, I can't really learn this on my own. Kudos to a lot of people who are self-taught. But for me, I was like, this is a lot. I had a lot of questions. And like I said, I didn't have anyone around me who understood what i wanted to do and so i'm like now nah, like i need to be in class i need to have teachers i need to reach out to people and so i was like i will definitely switch into studying computer science and i didn't even think about computer science like oh yeah like i'm gonna be coding xyz i was like okay i just want to learn how to like make cool things like websites and things like that yeah. and that's what kind of got me there so to your question is just really just following my curiosity leaning towards things that i was personally curious about just following through on it and just being open minded and just seeing where that path led me.
0: I will say I think that your story is rare in the sense of people often have curiosity but they don't follow it quite in the way <laughs> that you followed it and got into tech. But I think that aligns with the moniker that you have which is to demystify the tech industry, right? Mm-hmm. So from your perspective, I have to know, what does that phrase really mean to you?
1: Yeah, from my experience If you're sitting on the outside of technology, you don't really know a lot, right? I think the most from a pop culture or media perspective is like, if you're watching Fast and Furious or any movie who has like someone who's the coder or the tech geek or whatever, it's like they're in a hoodie and they're like typing in the dark and well, that's boring. Like you don't even know what they're typing, right? And so there's this kind of stereotype of like someone who works in tech, right? It's kind of like, oh, they must be an engineer. They must be really smart. They're probably really good at math and probably make a ton of money which isn't always the case. So for me, getting into the industry, I'm just kind of like, there was so much I didn't know. And now that I'm in it, I'm like, wow, like, first of all, let me pull back the curtains and kind of show people here are different ways that you can get into tech. Here are the different things that you can do. Here are how you can stand out and not have to quote-unquote fit in with a status quo. Something I tell friends or people, it's like whenever I initially moved to Seattle, like for me, I like to dress up. I like to put on maybe a blazer or whatever it is. And I remember going on campus and everyone's in hoodies. Not everyone, but most people were super chill, which is great. But Mm -hmm. I was like, um, a few days I kind of dressed down like, this is not me. I'm sorry. I don't like to wear basic stuff most times. And so I was like, oh no, like I want to be myself. I want to show up as myself. And through that, I was able to connect to people also who are like-minded. So for me, demystifying means literally saying like, hey, whoever you are, whatever you do, there's a space for you within tech. And it might feel mysterious, but here's how you can do it. And so my whole thing is like giving people the keys. I'm like, there's several keys to opening different doors, right? For someone they might be interested in animation, 3D art, but then you don't see that maybe shown on television or you don't see that being talked about on twitter so you just feel like okay i'm i i just know art like i can't be in tech, and it's like oh no like there's so many tech companies looking for people who are animators 3d game design all that kind of stuff and that's now even becoming more prominent with the metaverse and nfts which i know we'll talk about down the line and so for me that's how what my idea of demystifying is kind of telling people like hey like Whatever you do, you too can be part of tech, even if it looks like an unconventional way or if you look different from what the tech crowd looks like.
0: Yes. And speaking of demystifying the tech industry, you're doing just that by being a Web3 and blockchain educator. So what made you want to start sharing your knowledge around those two particular topics? The pandemic I guess
1: short <laughs> answer <laughs> I mean let's be real like most of us got into a lot of interesting hobbies or I started something new you know over the past few years and with the extra time on my hand I decided to just dive into like I said leading into my curiosity and personally I would say having the podcast is kind of a gateway for me or kind of a motivator for me to be aware of what's happening within the tech industry, right? Cause it's so easy for us to kind of like just focus on what we do and say, okay, this is all I do. And it's going to focus on it. But as someone who creates content, I'm like, I kind of have to know what's happening so I can also in turn educate my community and people that are like following, you know, my journey. So they're also aware of other opportunities within tech, whether it's emerging or something that's mainstream. And so I remember in 2020, I believe it was the summer of 2020, in Nigeria, there was an the Nsars movement, which was a you know social issue because a lot of the protesters were protesting against the government for several things, and they were getting massacred and things like that. Mm-hmm. And people were trying to figure out how to support, right? And the government froze a lot of people's funds, bank accounts, and things like that. And so a lot of nonprofits were kind of stuck. But that enters Bitcoin. It's like okay, you can actually. Donate to some of those nonprofits through cryptocurrencies and people were doing it by Twitter. they like, hey, you're trying to donate. Like, here are things, organizations that you can donate to who are accepting crypto. And so these organizations were helping people who were captured, injured, missing. Like the light bulb just one of them. I'm like, whoa, okay. I kind of knew about crypto. People talked about it in 2017, 2018, but nobody really paid attention to it because you're just going to like, right. oh, it's not really, it's not really cool yet. Yeah. But that single instance or even I don't want to say case study, but like realistic usage, I was just kind of like, whoa, there's something happening here, right? Because right now, people are able to help in a way that isn't restricted by the government. And I know some people are like, yes, yeah, when need regulation, and I know that's coming down the line. But for that moment, it's like, people were able to share or support a movement from anywhere in the world. And also when it comes to currencies, if I sent you a dollar right now, it could be different based on the exchange rate, right? But if I send you one bitcoin, one bitcoin is one bitcoin. It doesn't matter what country you're in. And so that was another thing that was interesting because I remember also growing up, my dad would take me to the Western Union and send money to like family or whatever it is, and the exchange rates was different, or sometimes location was sketchy places or whatever. And so through fintech, DeFi. All the things are happening. I'm like, wow, there's a possibilities for us to not only interact with money, but also figure out how we want to help people or different scenarios navigate that through fintech and DeFi in general. So I know that was a long story and there's other things that happened that year, but that was one thing. And then through conversations with people on Twitter, on Clubhouse, I was like, wait a minute, something's happening here. What is going on? And so I've been. In those conversations, because I do feel like there are real-world problems that I think DeFi and Web3 can solve in the future, and even right now.
0: Technology is transforming faster than ever. Jumping on the action. Whether you're breaking into tech, looking for a new career, or just want to be seen, be all those things and more at BFUTR 2022. Join the Black Professionals in Tech Network on October 19th through the 21st in Toronto, Ontario to network with over 20,000 Black tech professionals worldwide and hear over 100 incredible speakers. Come virtually and enjoy all of the tech talks or go VIP in person with an after-party concert by Rick Ross. Go to upcity.com and hit the Get Pass button so you can join the party. Now, let's get back to the episode. All right, so let's start with Web3 because I feel like that's the popular term that everyone's using for my listeners who are not yet sold on Web3, because there's a lot of naysayers talking about, you know, this is just regular Internet stuff. Define what Web3 is and then also explain why it's the current trend in tech and where we're probably going to see it, let's say, in the next six months. OK, that's like five a little- different
1: questions, but I'll, oh I'll, no! I'll, I'll, I'll do my best. I'll do my okay. best. So when people ask that question, what is Web3, how I describe it is imagine the Internet, but on a decentralized platform, which is built on blockchain technology. So basically the Internet that people call it the next phase of Internet, all that kind of stuff. And yes, OK, cool story. But what does that have to do in my life right now? And a good way to align it with what's happening with today's culture, what's happening in today's world is like, let's take a step back and describe Web1. And people describe Web1 as what happens in, I think, from 1999 or even earlier than that, from the 90s to 2000s. Like, okay, that phase of Internet was mostly to read. People were always putting stuff in the Internet when it comes to like static sites like Wikipedia, AOL. It was pretty boring, to be honest. Like, we're just kind of like we're putting up, you know, simple things on the Internet. And let's move on to 2000s to like 2020. Now we're in Web 2, which basically means that people are able to read and write. Read and write means that you can not only read stuff on the internet, but you can add your own content. With this Web 2 phase of the internet, we have the creator economy. We have Facebook. We have... Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, all the social platforms that created a way for creators or people who were writing into the internet to make money, to monetize. With that came also like centralization where it's like, if Facebook went down, if Google, Amazon, if most of those major tech companies goes down today, a lot of people will be impacted. And it happened Mm -hmm. last year, I believe in October, where Facebook was down, Instagram was down, WhatsApp was down. Because now it's kind of like a conglomerate, right? They bought all these companies and people were like, whoa, what is happening? People lost money because they couldn't put sponsored posts. Families mm-hmm. were worried, especially if you have family in a different country, because they couldn't talk to their parents or their siblings, and it was a real fear that happened. Everybody went on Twitter because Twitter is the only thing I was up, and they just like, "What's <laughs> going on? What's happening?" Like people are like, "What's happening?" And so those six hours, I think a lot of business owners, a lot of creators, and are people are like, "Wow, I can't have all my eggs in one basket. I need to figure wow. out." a way to directly connect to my users, my customers, if this centralized platform goes down. And then right now, Web3, the whole point is that there are different parts to this, and I'm going to oversimplify this, is that this new wave of the internet would be built on blockchain technology. Now, what is blockchain technology? People describe it as a Decentralized ledger basically as a database where you're able to add records, but it's immutable, meaning that you can't change it. So once you add something to it, I can go in and say, Oh, actually, scratch that. Never mind. Back in the day, let's talk about money real quick. When people, let's say, give you money, you'd write it down a ledger because we didn't have computers. It's like back, back, way back in the day. And then when we had computers, we had databases, right? Like, hey, I can actually put this, cash my paycheck to the bank and they have it. They're the third party between me and my money. But now with Web3, it's kind of like, no, like I can own that Part of my finance and things like that. So, all you have to do is connect my wallet to different entities to receive money, to give money. And so the bank isn't really there anymore, which is a threat, which is why a lot of banks mm. are never really supported, even though a lot of them are coming around the block. A lot of payment systems like Visa, PayPal, they're all coming around because we don't want to lose out on the next phase of the internet. So, I know I've mentioned a lot, I know I'm going to break it down, but basically, what we're seeing right now, and what I mean right now with a lot of people, I'll use Instagram, for example, being unhappy with a platform of, let's say, making it looking like TikTok <laughs> and not being able to see their friends and family is as a result of a centralized social media platform. Originally, when Instagram was created by its founders, it was more about just sharing simple moments, right? With your family, exactly. your friends. Mm -hmm. But now, because we're in in the creator economy, everything is monetized, it's e-commerce driven, you receive so much video content, which makes sense because video now is the main thing. Either you're talking about Twitter, Instagram, even LinkedIn, like video content, it just surfaced up even better because it engages people and we're in the attention economy and it allows people to be on. The platform longer because you're like, Oh, that was five seconds. Let me watch that like seven times because it's funny. <laughs> and so now Instagram come out and say, Yeah, they're no longer like a photo platform, they're for videos. And people are upset because it's kind of like, Oh, well, I don't even see my friend's dog <laughs> pictures anymore. But if this was a decentralized platform, what would it look like, right? Mm-hmm. To a certain mm-hmm. extent, the users who have tokens, right? And we would have the options maybe to even vote on proposal first of all, submit proposals, vote on it. It's like, Hey, should we have. This feature is an X, Y, Z, but we don't have any of that power. And usually when they, and that's why Instagram is free, because it said, if the product is free, you are the product, you know? So imagine yes. if I had a car business and my cars are telling me how to sell them. I'm like, bro, you have no audacity to tell me how to sell you. And that's how we are. That's what we look like. Tell Instagram, Hey, like, don't do this. And it's like, what, why would we not change it to a way where we make more money? Right. Right. Because the more people are watching, the more people on the platform, the more ads they run. Like There are ads everywhere in your stories, in your feed. Mm. I get it. You guys want to make money, but it's so annoying. So saying all that to say that, that's a problem right now. For some people, it might not be life-threatening of like, oh, yeah, like I'm just going to leave Instagram. That's great. But not everyone can just pick up and leave because they've built their audience. They've built their brand. They've built their platform. I know I Instagram, this is just an example because everyone is talking about it now. Of like, okay, is there a future in which if we as users or even customers are on a platform, we're able to vote on certain changes before it happens. But that's how it is right now, where it's any even YouTube can, and can say, hey, we're gonna kick you off our platform and you have no say in it. And that's like what that's centralized, that's web two. And so web three, we're hoping that users have more say in the conversation and how they're interacting with this platforms.
0: So let's just picture a decentralized social media platform. We'll use Instagram because we've been talking about it already. What does that look like in a Web3 world?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, I think things can go a different way, right? I think that the way a social media platform is created, let's talk about NFTs, right? Because Instagram just instantly implemented NFTs on their platform. But if we say... There is a decentralized social media network. Basically, when people connect their wallet, that's another thing with data. You don't have to know my username. You don't have to know my date of birth and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And that also comes with, obviously, its own issues, but we, we'll get to that later. People are able to have a say in what's happening. Like If, if someone says, like, hey, I think that the, the legal age to use the platform should be XYZ, they can send that as a proposal and people, the users can vote on it. So, like, hey, this is a proposal because we own a token and we're part of this platform. This is what we think should go next. And obviously, sometimes not everyone's going to agree or the majority might agree on it, but it's like, at least you have the option or you have a way to say something that you want about a specific platform. And then also just for, I think, rewarding people. So let's say you were an early adopter of a technology or even a feature, right? How do you, how can you prove that? Let's say I like Beyonce's earlier spam. How do you prove that? Maybe if I have the copy of her first CD, like, oh yeah, here it is. But that CD could belong to your mom or your sister. That's not real proof, right? Right. Um, So, and that's why we see a lot of musicians also now creating some of their songs or art on on the blockchain, because then people who buy a piece of it can say, oh no, I have been following this person since they were on SoundCloud. It's a way to verify, but also reward people who have been early in supporting you or helping you build your community or your product. And so I think that there is a way where in this new phase of the internet that people are able to be rewarded for being early supporters, early adopters, and also having a say in what is being built. And that's why people are drawn to NFT communities. Yes, there's a lot of scamming, there's a lot of money grabs and all of that. But then it's like, why are people like me or like an artist like interested in this? Like Nas also like, I think recently released this NFT drop and it sold out within a few minutes because people want a, a special way to connect to people that they admire, creators that they want to support. But now with blockchain technology, it's verifiable. And so like, no, like back in 2021, back in 2022, I was the first one to whatever, or I was part of the team or part of the people that believe in XYZ. And now that's why, I got a special ticket to like maybe VIP tickets to a concert because he gave it to his first 5000 holders for things like that. So there's a lot of different use cases. And I feel like right now, I think it's a good time to I don't want to say join Web three, not to be a gatekeeper, but also just learn about it. Because I feel like all most of this game are are kind of dying out because it's kind of like people are not trying to spend that much money. But also because I feel like bear markets, whether that's in crypto and stocks, because even in the stock, things are trending down. It's a great way to highlight the people who are actually building long term. Because out of this, a lot of people who are actually saying like, hey, these are the problems we want to solve. They can shift through all the noise and all the chaos and say, okay, this is what we built. I see everything happening right now as the V1 of anything. And I was listening to a podcast recently called The Good Time Show. And Mark Andreessen, who is one of the co-founders of A16Z, a venture capitalist firm, Talked about the wave of how new technologies are like accepted and things like that. It's never just technology. You have the curve of the technology, and then you now have the curve of societal adoption, and then you have the curve of the market. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's one or the other, but it takes a few key moments in tech history where they all align. Like with the iPhone, once the job mentioned, like, oh, you can have like a thousand songs or I don't know how many songs you talked about in the palm of your hands, whatever. People are like wait a minute, this guy is up to something. Right. Well, it took a few years before people finally adopted what the iPhone could be. And then the market also was like, well, okay, this is the next thing. And so right now I think we're seeing something like, okay, this might be the next big thing, but societal communities and how people are responding is different, but people are still going to be building, right? The market is also showing signs of like, this is something that could shift and create more opportunities and jobs in the future. But onto all three aligned, it's not going to move into mainstream adoption. But then my mind, I'm like, why wait for all of that to align when we can already see signs of how things could be? And that's because I also look at the past and also look at how people sometimes don't get into new technology until everyone's in it. And there's nothing wrong with that because not everyone has the same risk factors. And so I'm like, okay, whenever in my life or in my career can ever ever be this early. And To what we do in terms of creating content or educating our communities, it's like there are obviously, as in tech, not enough black, brown builders or educators in the space. And so I'm like, the more I talk about it, hopefully people feel motivated, inspired, or whatever it is to learn more about what's going on. And I told people this, like, I'm not one of those crypto bros that say, oh, if you don't learn this, your whole life is over. This might not be for everyone, right? Some people can say, okay, cool. Walk, chance, cool. You all doing your thing, but okay, I'm a, I'm a head out. <laughs> <laughs> but at least now you are informed of what's happening. And if you're a sister or your grandma asks, you, hey, do you know about this NFTs or whatever? You're like, oh yeah, let me let me talk to you about it. You already know what's going on, and I, I think it's worth knowing about because then you can know about opportunities of how to either work in this space or build in this space.
0: Okay, so Grace, a lot that we have to unpack there. I know, I know. First, I'm going to go back to the whole thing with Instagram as our example, and if it was decentralized. So you mentioned if you were a user, you would be able to bring suggestions to the table like, hey, we want the age limit to be 18 to be on this platform as an example. I don't know about you, but I think everybody would run to that platform tomorrow. Like if this was real and we were saying, here's the link to the platform, everyone would drop Instagram immediately and run to that platform. I feel like a lot of people are fed up with these social media sites and every social media platform wants to be the same. So I think that if this comes true and there are decentralized social media platforms, people will be jumping at the chance to join them. What are your thoughts, though?
1: Yeah, I feel like, like I said, we're in B1, right? We're just literally doing research. We are barely scratch the surface. And, and and there's a lot of, how do I put this? A lot of risk factors, because then let's say if someone who is malicious and say, actually, let's everyone be able to say the N-word whenever they want. It's like, oh, <laughs> you know, those kind of issues. Like, how do you deal with that, right? You can't just say, oh, I don't believe what you believe. I'm going to kick you out. And so I think that- there's a lot of scenarios that people haven't thought through yet. This is why we're still early because we need people thinking about the scenarios and not just building from one set of people in mind. And so like, hey, if people come on and they have controversial, and this is just another part of it, controversial views and things like that, how do we handle that? How do we handle a situation of like, are we going to deplatform people or not? And so I think that, yes, a lot of people would rush to a platform like that. But then because we are humans and we're complex, mm-hmm. you have to think about all those I don't want to say edge cases, but there's things that might come up. And so I think that's what a lot of people are trying to figure out. Also, even through the government, how does that come into play? People don't want the government to regulate, but because of how people have been hurt recently, especially those who have either been scammed or lost a lot of their assets into some of this altcoins, it's kind of like, okay, who do we hold responsible? So for me, whenever I talk about Web3 and blockchain, I'm not always saying, like, y'all, these are all the great things I also think about the things that are not so great right now because i'm like we need to have a balanced conversation and to tell people like hey yeah we're early that means a lot of people are taking advantage of the space obviously people are probably laundering money people are probably running scams but at the same time and this is how i look at it everyone has a different perspective at the same time i look at email there are thousands of millions of efficient emails are sent of scam emails are sent but yeah. we're not out here saying hey let's ban gmail let's ban yahoo yeah. it's like no we have laws in place. Like if you get caught, you're probably going to go to jail. Or we tell people, educate people, don't click random links, don't do things that might put you in danger. Or like if you see something that looks like a bank, this is what you can look for. So I think education is so important right now with this new technology. Like telling people don't FOMO in because then people take advantage of that and it's like, hey, like okay, the celebrity that you like is releasing this. Click this link right now or else you miss out. It's like no. Do do your research, do your research, take as much time as you need. And so I think education is so important. We're still early. There are a lot of things that are probably going to change.
0: Yes. That you mentioned is educate, 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 educate yourself. But in regards to educating around Web3, you mentioned some podcast episodes. People who are listening to this episode, if they want to learn more and get in that early adoption phase, what resources do you have for Web3 education?
1: So right now, for me, one thing that I love about Web3 is the importance of building on community. And I think the best way to learn is to find a community that you trust, right? Whether that's community that's focused on building DAOs, decentralized autonomous organizations, or NFTs, or DeFi, decentralized finance. I know I'm just throwing a bunch of terms out there, but Web3 encompasses so much that people just put it all together, like, no, there's a lot happening. So I would say, try to find a community that you really trust. For me, I'm in a few communities. One of them is called Black At, Black, and then AT. And this community, it's a token-gated community, meaning that you have to, it's kind of like a membership. You buy a token to get into it, to make sure that we don't have scammers and all this, like, crazy people out in here. There are people who actually want to be in the community. And this community is full with entrepreneurs, investors, creative, people who work in tech outside of tech, and through just the conversations that we have, I am learning so much, not just in my field, but outside the realm of what I know. And yeah. I've been able to get into other communities because then with this community growing their influence, they're able to collaborate with other big NFT projects and give us do giveaways and things like that. And, and there are a lot of other women communities. There's Women in Web3. There's a community that I am part of, and Buildings called Women of Color in Emergent Tech. I've also learned a lot on Twitter and yeah, like I said, community, because then if you have a question about a specific NFT project and you're trying to get, if it's legit or not, like you can just say like, Hey guys, like, what do you all think about this? And feel like, Oh yeah, this is legit. Or like, this is what we're doing. I would say definitely try to find one or two communities that you are open to onboarding people. Cause not every NFT community or web through communities for onboarding. Some of them are for investing. Some of them are just like collaborations and that's what I would say. Find a community that you can trust and a community that helps you onboard into into the Web3 space.
0: And you actually try to just skip past that community that you mentioned, the women of color and emerging tech. For my listeners who don't know, the reason that I'm saying this is because Grace was the founder. You started this in December of 2021. So tell my audience and myself more about this community that you founded and what it's all about.
1: Yeah, so this all came about last year trying to figure out ways to first of all, I think validate what I was learning right I was kind of like, okay, this is cool, you know I'm I'm seeing more buzz you know we were talking about it more, the mainstream media picking up headlines and, and things like that and for me, I was kind of like, you know, is anyone else out here learning? Anyone that looks like me? Because like, obviously on YouTube and TikTok, you have all these crypto bros. So I'm like, buy this coin and, you know, become a millionaire overnight. And I'm like, yes, you can make money out of that, but it's never truly that easy, right? You know, the faster the right. money comes, the easier it is to leave. And so on this platforms that I'm getting educated, even with podcasts, I'm just kind of like, I'm sure women are interested in this stuff. Like I'm sure black and brown women, but it's just like, there are so few of us. And so I remember posting on TikTok and Instagram. Initially, I just wanted to have like a study session. And I was like, hey, are there other women of color out there who are interested in learning about like emerging tech, like Web3 and things like that. And put out Google Sheet and over like 300 women signed up as interest. And I was like, oh, <laughs> I guess there's interest. And so when that happened, I'm like I kind of have to go through with this now. And so we launched in December, just having a happy hour meet and greet and met people from over the state. And then when we launched our learning sessions in you know, January, like we had people joining from Kenya, from London, like all these women just in search of like, okay, I'm not crazy, right? I think that's the biggest thing when you don't have people around you who are interested in what you're learning or just kind of shut it down, like, oh, it's all a scam. You're like, oh, um, part of it could be, but I think there's something in here. So telling women like, yeah, you're not crazy. There's something happening here and you have the choice to learn a community setting. But also, I think people were also just excited to meet more women in tech because I had people who were in data science, people who were in machine learning, people who were in cloud, people who were in product, like, oh, we'll finding another woman, you know, and especially if they're in the same location as New York, Austin, Seattle, like, it was just another networking tool. Everyone was like, oh, like, I just want to connect with more women in tech. And so that was really exciting. So it's been really great validating people and saying, no, like, you're not crazy, you're not alone. Like, if you're interested in this or women
0: who look like you and people who are building, and learning into space and Grace, you mentioned like you have data scientists and I'll say there are technical roles. Do you have any non-technical women who are also in the community? Yes. Okay, so that was the
1: interesting part. We had people who were nurses, people who were okay. cooks, people who literally were just wow. like, I just want to learn. And then through that, it's like, hey, like if you're interested in getting into tech here are pathways that you can you know, do some things. And I think what's interesting in Web3 right now is that most of the jobs are remote first, because that's also, I think, another pillar of Web3 and obviously new version of the internet. I was like, yeah, if people are everywhere. We should have decentralized workplaces. And we have internet, like we're on Zoom right now. We can be on Teams to get our work done. Mm-hmm. And so most of the roles out there are remote friendly, and most of them are part-time or some of them can be part-time. So even if you're a student or nurse, whatever it is that you're doing, and you just want to have maybe a small part to learning about Web3, you can be a community manager, which is one of the things that a lot of these projects are looking for people to manage their communities and to kind of share information and to just build that camaraderie within people that have the same interests. And so there's so many opportunities when it comes to Web3 in terms of like learning about it. Because I think that also the best way to learn is by building and doing things. There's always yes. so much you can do by reading tutorials. Even when it comes to coding, it's cool if you're watching the tutorials and watching other people code, but if you don't actually code for yourself, you, you don't really build that muscle. So I think also within the space in general, like I think building things with others, having conversation, attending events, making events is a great way to learn more about the space, even content creation, which is what I'm doing.
0: And we're going to jump to the content creation piece of what you do in one moment. But to wrap up our Web3 conversation, two things I want to ask. First, I want to go back to the non technical piece and talk through because I feel like a lot of what we've been talking through has been on the more technical side. Mm-hmm. What do you recommend for non technical people, AKA people like myself, who <laughs> want to get more involved in Web3 and want to join in that space, but don't really know where we fit in yet?
1: I think that's a great question. And I, I think that people who have unique and different, I would say, non-technical skills are definitely super valued within this space. For one reason, because it, it's new. And so everyone's open to collaborating and building from that perspective. So if you're a product manager, program manager, if you're in marketing, if you're in finance, like... A lot of these communities are building, and they need people who have those skills. Obviously, engineers are always going to be in demand, but like I said, in Web3, it's all about communities, all about people. So if you have great people skills, (laughs) this is a good time to kind of like jump in. And something else that I would add is if you're already in tech, like, because right now, like I said, like my day job is in cloud computing doing all that kind of stuff, but on the side, I enjoy making content. I do a lot of like marketing and things like that. And so that's how I'm contributing into other communities. I'm like, I'm, I can help you do marketing. I can help you create content. I can do X, Y, Z. So, in that sense, I'm also sharpening other skills that I have that can maybe in the long run help me when I maybe move to a different role or things like that and say, hey, like I actually have built out this skill set and can help me negotiate for a higher salary. So, for me, I would say the interest also in Web3 is that for people who feel like, okay, I'm, creative technologist i think it's allowing people who are creative now that intersection of creativity and technology is really a reality you know because with every big wave of technology that we've seen even in the past you know before a couple of years ago was cloud technology it was a new thing the hot thing ai artificial intelligence you know machine learning but if you weren't technical how do you use ai how do you make it work for you as a creator as a creative it's hard so for me right now, seeing how a lot of creatives are using Web3 or creating art and putting it on the blockchain, music videos and putting it on the blockchain, and even like funding themselves, it's really cool to see that say, like, yeah, like people are actually now, or more people can't actually work in tech because now this tech is more inclusive to a certain degree. You don't yeah. have to know how to code to be in Web3 or to build NFTs. You can definitely collaborate with engineers and things like that, but it's like, okay, wow, like I can actually use this technology to fund my vision, to fund my dream, and things like that. So it's been cool really watching a lot of artists come into the light or even like music artists make money or fundraise through NFT collections and things like that and not wait for maybe if they're tied to a label, a label or relying on <laughs> revenue streams from the streaming platform. Because most Artists make pennies for streaming yeah. compared yeah. to, let's say, you know, having a song put it on the blockchain and people are able to buy pieces of it, which is fractional ownership. That's another terminology and something that we can go into another time. And it's so powerful to see. And that's another thing where I've seen a lot of Black creators create and make more money coming from a wealth perspective now through just putting their art already existing for years, five to 10 years. But it's now visible on the blockchain and people are now can buy their stuff. And for me, like it's such a different way to look at things because growing up, my family didn't collect art, like we didn't pass art to generations to generation. You know what I mean? Because that's what a lot of old money yeah. is too art. But now with digital collectibles, we're just kind of like, oh, like I'm just going to screenshot this NFT. I'm like, OK, how do you screenshot an NFT? That's music based and music NFT. How do you screenshot that? You know what I mean? And so so, Uh it's one of those things where I'm like, people need to be open minded of how they see technology evolving, but different ways that it allows other folks with different skills and talents to be within the industry.
0: And one more Web3 related question, because we talked about how currently there's no regulation within Web3. And so there's no accountability. And as we know, because as we mentioned, humans are complex, there needs to be an accountability component or Mm -hmm. things are going to go left real quick. So from your perspective, how do you foresee regulations and accountability being brought into the space?
1: There, there's a lot going on right now. I would say I'm not an expert in this space, but you know, recently the feds have been cracking down a lot of people who are doing insider trading. I think recently someone who worked at Coinbase was charged yes. for insider trading and wire fraud and things like that. So when it comes to that, those are real things that people are like, oh no, they're never going to find out. It's like, oh, nah, like people are literally out here doing the most. And I think that that's a way to really grow accountability and trust. I think that for those who are working within corporate companies and whatnot, it's kind of like, yeah, like if you're out here knowing that this particular project or company might, you know, 10X in the next few months and you're, you know, that's all that stuff, shady stuff, you should be held accountable. When it comes to regulations, which I feel like it's definitely needed, but it's going to be complex. I, I do feel like with decentralization and being able to, let's say for me, hold on to my crypto keys and all that kind of stuff, the responsibility is placed on the individual, which is why some people also are not a fan of this. Because if I lost my bank password and login, I can just try to like reset it. Or if someone steals my credit card, can report the bank and all that kind of stuff. That's where we have the FDIC, all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. But if someone steals from my crypto wallet, Coinbase is not responsible. A lot of these exchanges are not responsible, right? Yeah. Like you, you see that all the time on Twitter, which is so sad. And saying like, hey, I got scammed and someone wiped out my whole wallet. And it just there's no one you can call. That's the right. risk of being early, right? And if I, for mm-hmm. today, like lost my password to my crypto wallet, because I'm responsible and because there's no third party holding my data, I can call anyone and say, hey, yo, help me reset my password. It's gone. And for some people, yeah. like whoa, that's 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 too much. And so I, I caution people when you're getting into this space, take your time. None of this information is financial advice. Just throwing that out there. Do your own research. Whether it's Ethereum, Bitcoin, whatever that is, that's an easier way into it, right? Even with investing, you can put fifty dollars here learn about staking and things like that but there are some people who i know earlier in the year put a lot of money into certain coins and now they're barely worth even one cent it's just so discouraging that you're just like whoa yeah you gotta make sure that even when investing you are diversifying your portfolio for some people they stick to five percent of their asset worth is in you know cryptocurrencies for some people it's more than that but I would say definitely do your own research. Don't FOMO and FOMO, if you're missing out, like don't flush into things out of greed or out of, oh my gosh, it's not going to be here. There are other, there's going to be other opportunities. And I will say if you already invest in a lot, especially into NFTs, get a, a cold wallet, a cold storage, which is basically a physical, it looks like a, I have mine, but I don't have it. Here with me, but like okay, USB, like it's actually a physical device that's not attached to the internet. So it's not prone to getting hacked or in that way it's not connected to the internet. Why a hot wallet where it's either it can be on Rainbow, Coinbase, or different companies like that. It's it's connected to the internet. So it's hot. Make sure that also when getting into this, one thing that I wish I knew I also did later is creating different email address where it's like either Web3 or crypto related. So if anything were to happen and you got hacked or whatever, at least it's not touching your personal stuff, like something separate. So this is something I know when you talk about safety tips, just things that I think people should be aware of. Yes, we're new and we're no things are building, but. Still be cautious when it comes into this space. But yeah, I think it's worth learning as much as you can now. But make sure that you are doing everything within your means, you know, because what's the mm-hmm. point in this? pay your, you know, for gas <laughs> or your light bills. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, that's what yes. I tell people, like, nah, make sure the prioritizing things are really most important right now
0: and know that everything
1: else will fall into place.
0: And Grace, I appreciate all of the time and education that you provided my listeners on today's episode in regards to Web3. So I want to take a moment to just say thank you for that. But I would be remiss if <laughs> I didn't mention that you two are a female tech podcaster. So I want to take a moment before I let you go and have you talk about your podcast, Tech Unlocked. And it's been you've been doing that podcast for about two years. But explain to my listeners what content you have on the podcast.
1: Yeah, thanks. Like, I love also connecting with other women podcasters, Black women podcasters, especially in tech. There's not that many of us. But I started a podcast in 2019 because, you know, when I got into tech, a lot of people would DM me by LinkedIn, social media, you know, asking about my journey and like other questions about like roles and things like that. And I'm like, wow, that's sort of like all this one-off answer is like, what if I create a platform where I can address those questions, but also bring other people within tech that are doing amazing work and to elevate their stories and to elevate their journeys. And the show focuses on literally, I think, highlighting incredible work that people are doing, especially Black and brown folks, but also just to showcase what is new within tech. Because because if you look on the top 10 right now on iTunes or Apple or Spotify, and the tech category, it's mostly men, mostly white men. And there's nothing... Actually, yeah, there's something wrong with I think we need some more diversity because me and you and other women have podcasts so should be on there. But the content is sometimes not relatable, right? I think that when we talk about representation, it's hard to become something you don't see, or even hear. And so with with the podcast, my aim is to demystify, like I mentioned earlier, several different parts of the tech world right to so show that you know it is visible yes it might not be what everyone is talking about every day but there is definitely a lot of exciting new technology happening but also a lot of new exciting careers being built and being created one of the guys that i had recently back in i believe was it march or april we talked about virtual reality how it's helping teenagers talk about their struggles and their things that they're going through by playing video games and different things like that and they've had people on the show talk about quantum computing supercomputers and things like that but every time we talk about those things it's through the lens of demystifying so we're not talking like here us we sound so smart like no how does this relate to me why should i care about this topic what kind of impact does it have and what kind of impact can it have not just on me but the generation after me because that's another thing with web3 like i was telling someone the other day i'm like right now i don't have kids in the future like my kids are never going to have an instagram account (laughs) Like maybe if I created to show baby pictures and all that stuff, like celebrity couples (laughs) or parents to do to post pictures and whatnot, but it's like things are going to look so different 10 to 20 years from now. But who's building that future, right? How can you be part of the people building that future? And and that's something that gets me excited of, of showing people what's being built because- I look at kids today, they're paying attention to Roblox or sandbox or different ways. I'm like, that's probably going to be the future in a sense. And just because you don't agree with something, just because you don't like something, doesn't mean it's not going to happen. I see a lot of people speculating and talking about the metaverse. Oh my gosh. I'm like, cool. Okay. If you don't like it, build something else. Stop complaining. Or why don't you like? And that's another thing. It's like, if you don't like something, why don't you like it? Like think through your own thoughts. And that's how I process. I'm like, okay why am I attracted to this new technology or to this thing? If I am, what are ways that I can use it to help benefit my community or the problems that I want to solve? And just have a conversation with yourself and don't let you know mainstream media or whatever people are saying to sway you out of opportunities to really build and to really learn and sell. I tell people all the time, like, yeah, you can't be part of the solution if you're not part of the conversation. And so I think Mm. for me, I try to get people um, to be aware of what's happening in tech to show them like, yeah, you treat with every skills and everything that you have. You're able to get into the industry. And so I hope that sure is inspiring and people are able to learn something tangible from it to
0: what your podcast brings to the table is. Like you said, these tough tech topics, it makes it relatable. It makes it easy. It makes it digestible. And I can appreciate that. And that's why I listen, because then I get to hear about awesome topics like Web3, blockchain, NFTs when they came out. I I don't know why, but specifically the NFT episode that you had where you described how to go through that whole process was helpful, especially for someone like myself who's not technical. So I appreciate your podcast and the content that you create around it.
1: Yeah. Thank you so much for listening. I, I think that for me, I'm able to learn and grow because other people are also teaching and sharing. Like I, that particular episode, I, I had it with Harold Hughes and he is one of the co-founders of Black Ad, the community I talked about for Black folks who were interested in learning more about Web3 and all that kind of stuff. And I just remember, wow, like he just made things so easy to understand. And I was like, why isn't everyone talking about us on this level where I feel like I understand it and I'm not dumb. I'm not stupid, you know? Right. Um, and so for me, I'm like, yeah, if I, if I can show the average person, like, Hey, here's what this technology means. Don't be afraid. Don't be intimidated. You too can learn and build on it. Like then I think I've achieved my goal. Where can people listen to your podcast? You can listen to it on Spotify, Apple, Muse, Apple or wherever you listen to your podcast can also go to techunlock.co to listen to it on the
0: website. Excellent. And we've covered a lot today, mostly on Web3, your career, and then also your podcast. But why do just open the floor? Any final pieces of advice or tips for the community that's listening to the episode today?
1: Yeah. If you are someone who feels like you want to change the world in some way, I think that technology is a great amplifier of whatever that looks like, whether that's through biotech, if that's through media, whatever it is. And so I would say that getting into tech doesn't have to be work for a tech corporation. It just means that you're using technology to amplify whatever solution that you are building or you want to create. So I would say, don't be intimidated. Don't be discouraged And lean towards, like I've said, towards your curiosity, your next questions. I think that a lot of people get frustrated because either they feel like they don't have what it takes or they don't have a culture degree or things like that. And so they self reject a lot and say, oh, like I probably wouldn't make it. I probably wouldn't get in. And I tell people, no, shoot your shot, apply for that job, reach out to that person. You never know until you try. It sounds so cliche, but it's so true. There's so many people that I've met recently where I'm like, wow, like if I never really goes down to DMs or never send that DM, they wouldn't be on my podcast, like high key. I think about the opportunities I've had to either speak or collaborate. I'm like, yeah, it's from me shooting my shot because there are some people that are not even looking for us. You know what I mean? Us, I mean like black folks, they're not in the radar. So for me, my thing is like always give back in the capacity that I can, but also reach out to people and say, like, hey, like this is what I, I have to offer. These are my skills. And it's just incredible how people will literally go out the way it's like, sure, like, why not? Oh yeah, if I'm not the right person, then here's someone that you can reach out to. So don't self-reject, shoot your shot, go after your dreams, and you'd be surprised what can happen.
0: Grace, I think that is a perfect note to end on. Thank you again for your time today. Appreciate it. Probably we'll have you back on a future episode to talk about the metaverse because that is a whole nother topic. Yes.
1: (laughs) I am so excited about that. And I wasn't, that was another thing. And we can go into that later, but thinking through certain scenarios and like, wow, the world is changing. The world will continue to change, but I just want more of us to be part of the future and what it's going to look like.
0: Yes, I am with you there. So yes, future episode on Metaverse, we'll figure that out. But again, Grace, thanks for your time today. Thank you for sharing all about Web3 and your journey and appreciate you.
1: Yes, thank you so much for allowing me to be on the show. Like I love the content that you put out and how you elevate Black voices and Black people within a tech space. And I'm so honored to be on the podcast.
0: Thank you for listening to Black Tech Unplugged. I'm Dina McKay, and you can find the show on all social media platforms under Black Tech Unplugged. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform you're listening to this episode. And if you have a few extra minutes, make sure to leave a five star review, too. It will help me out a lot and help other people find the podcast. Until next time.